This episode of Let's Talk Period is brought to you by the Quendo Support Line. 24-7 support for everybody, every day of the year. Call 1-800-ASK-QUENDO to leave a message and our trained support workers will call you back ASAP. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable. This week, I sat down with the incredible Maddie Osservani and Matt Cohen, co-founders of the social enterprise Bloody Good Bins. They are a Melbourne-based sanitary bin company fighting period taboos with gorgeous, colourful bins. They also donate 50% of their profits to projects that empower women in low-income countries. How cool is that? Bloody Good is entirely self-funded and currently has about a dozen customers, but their dream is to one day have a Bloody Good bin in every commercial bathroom stall in Australia. In this episode, we talk about what led them to start Bloody Good, how they actually took their idea of creating a colourful, quirky sanitary bin into turning it into an actual physical product, and why they feel there is still such a stigma around periods and disposing of period products, even in 2020. We also talk on why they are so passionate about being a social enterprise and the impact they've been able to create as a result, plus so much more. Now, I know I say this a lot because I absolutely love interviewing people and finding out all about their initiatives, their projects, their stories, but... I really think you're going to love this episode. It was so wonderful recording it and I can't wait to share it with you. So here is Maddie and Matt. Maddie and Matt, welcome to Let's Talk Period. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Very keen. We're excited. We're all excited. We're having like a great time to start off. It's great. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but the way we start our podcast is the same for all of our guests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, We always ask our guests how they have nourished their body today. So what have you guys done to look after yourselves or nourish yourselves today? You go first. You want to go first? No, that's that's a tough one, which probably speaks to how badly I look after <laughs> myself. Um, but but I, I think um, I, I didn't set an alarm. I slept in, um, which I, I, I've been trying to do lately. I've been trying to make sleep my, my priority. Mm, yeah, um, I went through a phase of, of having really poor sleep. And um, I, I, I just think that it, it really, obviously, it reflects it. it um, plays into your entire day. So that's what I did. Um, no alarm. To nourish no alarm, yeah. no alarm. Just slept in, you know, treat my body right. Love it's a that. good way to start the day. Yeah. Well, mine was, I mean, def- not necessarily nourishing. I don't know, maybe a bit more mind than body as well. But I, um, I had a super stressful week and I have a half day on Friday. So I got home and I've honestly spent maybe the last two and a half hours reading the trashiest, like, crime thriller novel, nice. which I love. It just, like... I get so wrapped up in it. It takes my mind off the world. And then like when Matt rung the doorbell, I just was like whipped back to reality, which I love when I'm really stressed to just read some trashy fiction. So I don't know if that falls in the category, but that is what I did. (laughs) No, it definitely falls in the category. And being able to just like find your zen, read a good Mm, book, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. release any stress or worry you have is definitely 
a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, you're actually our first boy on Let's Talk Period. Yes, amazing. So honorary first boy member. Nice. (laughs) Have there been, how many have you had so far? We have done 13 interviews at time of recording okay. that are released. That's pretty, that's yeah. pretty big. Yeah. yeah. And, like, we've got a few more in the pipeline. But, yeah, so we've interviewed, like, 13 people so far and you're our first boy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Probably speaks to the, I mean, <laughs> like, the, part of the, the issues, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in this, uh, in this podcast. But, yeah, yeah it's... it's um. Obviously, women's Very health is, is something that, that guys should know a lot more about and should be a lot more involved in. But um, Definitely. Well, we're glad to have you here. Yeah, yeah. No, really happy to be here. So thank you so much. The next thing we always ask our guests as well is we have a health toolkit, or most of mm. us do, full of things that help us to manage our health. So like therapies, mm. strategies, items. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you guys have in your toolkits that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, do you want me to go first? Yes. I've got one yeah, in mind. Yeah, yeah you can have a bit of thinking time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I have been, like everyone on the planet, but no shame in that, listening to slash watching it of Brene Brown because she mm. is amazing. And one of her many, many words of wisdom is, um, I'm going to so misquote it so I won't even try, but the one about... <laughs> how shame can only survive like in silence. And so she talks about how the best way you can deal with like something shameful or embarrassing is just telling someone. And so I've been trying really hard to do that as soon as like something really awkward or like just a really bad day or like a really bad awkward lesson, like Mm -hmm. at my job, because I'm a teacher or something like that straight away to tell someone about it. Like I do with you and you just feel so much better. And every time I'm like, Oh no, I'm just going to like not tell anyone. because I was so embarrassing and wallow in that. That sucked. Just, like forcing or training myself to tell someone straight away and it always just melts away. So it's like a good habit to get into, I think. First chance you get to tell someone about something embarrassing. Yes, yeah. And in fact, on that note, what always helps me with embarrassing stuff um, is that they will forget it eventually. Yeah. I I, I think that, that, um, like, you, it often feels like you, the world is over when something goes wrong yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh. damn it, I've, I've messed up publicly. Yeah. But for that person, for those other people in that situation, that is probably not even in the first place anything of importance to them. And in two weeks, they won't even remember it happened. Yeah. So, um, but, but besides yeah. that, my other yeah. toolkit thing I think would be, and we were talking a bit about this before, um, yeah. is, so I, I, I like like everyone has have jumped on the the bouldering uh, train. I don't Classic know. Everyone boy. seems to be climbing yeah. nowadays, um, uh, especially especially mid twenties boys. Yeah, I can um, attest to that. My brother rock climbs and goes bouldering yeah. as well. So <laughs> yeah. Has the trend just peaked <laughs> for him in the last like eight months though? Because I feel like that's what it. Or was he original? An original. He, I bowler. feel like he's an OG climber. OG. He's yeah. been doing it for a year or two now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, what I really like about it and what I think it, it is why I think it's great for a lot of people is that um, I get a great workout from it, but don't even realize I'm working out. And that was always a problem for me. I think that going to the gym and doing the conventional strength building stuff mm. that a lot of people try and fit themselves into, you know, like putting a round peg into a square hole, that's just not for everyone. Mm. Um, and I think um, that 
the great thing about something like bouldering is that um, you you go and you have fun and you just you're solving climbing problems and you come out of it and you're like my arms are killing me but I didn't even realize I was doing it so that's that's my little um, takeaway hack yeah, yeah. Little hack. like finding a type of movement that you like and enjoy doing that exactly. doesn't feel yeah. like exercise yes yes yeah exactly there was this video I showed to Matt recently that was about like a lot of people have problems with self-discipline and they can be really hard on themselves being like oh I never go to the gym every morning like my friend like I have no willpower I'm never going to be fit and like it can be a a better like mindset to treat fixing those like habits as like just hacking your behavior, like just doing little experiments to find a way to hack human behavior, which like no one can solve that problem with willpower. Like humans are weird and our behavior is weird. So just being like, what can I do to make Mm. myself go to the gym all the time and being like, maybe I'll try this, maybe I'll try this. And then if you found one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to rely on like forcing motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so true. I love that. And I love Brene Brown as well. So you guys yes. have great suggestions. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, she's so great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's amazing. <laughs> now, you guys are also amazing. You are the founders of Bloody Good Bins. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. When I saw you guys on Instagram, I had a bit of a fangirl moment and I was like, <laughs> this is fabulous. I love oh, this. Thank oh, thank um, you. Yeah, you're so welcome. I think it's such a cool thing. So people who are listening, they're probably like, what on earth is that? <laughs> is that, yeah. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about Bloody Good Bins, the journey, and what led you guys to start this incredible startup? Absolutely. So so in a nutshell, Bloody Good is the, the who gives a crap of sanitary bins. Yeah. So we create these funky, colourful, quirky sanitary bins. Um, and we put them in bathrooms in companies uh, around Melbourne and um, service them. Uh, and we donate half of our profits um, to projects that empower women in developing countries. Um, but on top of that, we also obviously, um, the colour and the quirkiness, the bins stand out to are trying to spark a conversation um, about, about menstrual health and just get people a lot more comfortable with periods. Um, yeah, and kind of, kind of um, changing the format of the typical ugly gray bin that looks horrific in every bathroom and clearly throws off the aesthetic as well in cool cafes and that's just like shoved in a corner as some like gross sanitary disposal issue um and just like completely changing that i mean just like you said like who gives a crap did with toilet paper like that is such a boring industry but it's not anymore like I'm pretty sure they are full, like they get thousands of applications and it's a toilet paper company. To work so, for them. Yeah, 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 yeah so exactly. True. So like shifting it a little bit and making it something people can talk about rather than quite literally shoved in a corner. Yeah. 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 And so the, the journey yeah, to, yeah. to come to arrive at this, this idea and start building on this, um, it, it wasn't, I mean, it, it wasn't as I'm sure with a lot of businesses, it wasn't, it wasn't entirely clear from the beginning. Um, we, um, We'd been sort of brainstorming for a while. We wanted to to start a social enterprise, and I I was really fascinated by by the who gives a craps and the thank yous of the world. I love this idea of taking uh, a simple product and that someone already had to buy, yeah, but giving it a social spin. Yeah, um, yeah. we we call it incidental <laughs> incidental altruism. Yeah, we kind of dubbed our own term. <laughs> Coined it, so it. hopefully it's going to catch on. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, incidental altruism in the sense that like there's things that people have to buy, or in this case, businesses have to buy anyway, and it's almost like forcing or nudging people to be social in 
um, operational costs they already have. Like mm. if you have to buy toilet paper, you have to buy hand soap or your business has to contract sanitary bins. Like if they're of similar price, it's win-win if you make the socially conscious choice. So yes. yeah, that kind of has fascinated you, but both of us, that model. For a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it started with that, with this idea of, okay, what do we, what are some products that people just have, businesses particularly have to purchase? Um, and then we stumbled on sanitary bins and we were like, that's amazing. No one's innovated in that oh, space. Not at Why all. would you? It's yeah. a bin. Yeah. Um, and, and then the so, such a gap. Yeah. I feel like it's a rarity as well. Sometimes like before we stumbled upon this as well, I found myself thinking like there are no businesses left. Like I often say this to you. I'm like, how could any more movies come out? Every yeah. pot has ever been thought of. <laughs> and so true. like yeah. just coming across a full on gap in the market where there has been no innovation for honestly, I think like a hundred years. <laughs> No joke as well, just because I live um, near, in Collingwood, near one of the first coals that, the first coals that was ever in Australia. And there's a photo, like oh, a, yeah. a ti- um, an old timey photo of the, that coals, like what was it, like a hundred years ago. And in that photo, there is a servicing truck of the, one of, of the original sanitary bin companies that is still around today. Yeah. And it's like the same logo, but just this old like fifties van. And yeah, it was just crazy to see like, it actually hasn't changed No, as no. progressive as things have become. It hasn't changed. It's the same thing, the same yeah. model. Um, and so we were, as we, we started brainstorming this idea and, de- and developing it further, Mads really um, brought this, this element to it, which is, well, hold on a second. It's it can be more than a bin, and people aren't talking about about periods. People aren't comfortable with it. Yeah. Um. And so, and and that became like just as much of a big focus as the the donation, the fifty percent, you know, donated aspect. Um. You're probably better to talk. Yeah. On th- that element. Well, I think once we realised like we can we can innovate a bit and make them colourful and interesting. Like that's not just an extra selling point. Like that could be another whole. I'd say mm. one of the main two functions of the business is not just to generate profit to donate, but them in themselves in being bright and different and standing out can spark conversation. We can use mm. them as almost like a marketing tool for an issue. Like at the moment they're just colorful and design, but we can use them as like advertising space for like campaign of, yeah, any issue about, I mean, anything about um, feminism or yeah. menstrual health or anything like, yeah, yeah it's a whole space. Like bathroom real estate is yeah. a big thing. <laughs> it yeah, really I, is. I, I think it really is. Yeah. Like people are bored. You sit on the loo, <laughs> you scroll through your phone, but quite often you look up and you, you just like, Oh you yeah. Take in. I read every poster yeah. on the back of the <laughs> yeah. bathroom stall. Absolutely. So I think, yes. we, I think that's a really untapped um, niche, niche that mm. we've, that we've discovered ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Sanitary bin advertising. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Exactly. Any sponsors, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Get in touch. <laughs> I, I'd be curious to know what it means. Like, what, what does bloody good mean to you? Because you said that when you found it, yeah. um, it was, it was, you know, you like you, you love the idea and whatnot, and you wanted to reach out. But, but why? What, what was so special about it? I think, from my perspective, it was just such a cool idea. Like, I've never seen a funky bin before mm. like that. Mm. Um, like Maddie said, they're all like gross and gray and (laughs) you're like, ew, this is so dingy, but that would be something like if I went to a cafe and I Mm. saw one in the toilet, I'd like go out and tell my friend and be like, did you look at the bin in the toilet? That's so good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then when you were speaking about Brene Brown and how, she says to like make something not embarrassing, but something that you might not necessarily want to talk about it. Yeah, make or feel shame point, about. Yeah, or feeling shameful around it, talking about it. 
I think that's a really important point too because it is something people don't want to talk about necessarily Mm. and bringing a fun sort of out there way of starting that conversation is really cool and it is important. Yeah, Yeah, and it being colourful and exciting in itself just makes it more of a centre point. Like we've talked about like dream in the distance days but imagine having them in like high schools and even I mean girls can get their period at age like 11 so even Mm. primary schools like from the get-go having them as a center or spotlight piece rather than an ugly in the corner piece Mm. is something to talk about I mean if I went to a primary school and I didn't even know what a period was because all the girls in the older school had them and I was like what is this word I mean I'd always be like what are those bins for what are the colorful bins oh they changed designs this month have you seen the bins and I can can imagine the people I mean I don't know about like gender neutral toilets at the moment in schools but like you can imagine the boys being like what are these things that you all have like what's everyone always talking about so like yeah it generates conversation without even trying so to true. be tackling an issue just the, being there the gray bin the, the boring thing Classic that sits in the bin. corner that is mm. designed to not be noticed is such a great metaphor for how the conversation around this yeah. topic currently is yeah because you have you have people you have companies the very companies that are doing this service actively trying to 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 play down the fact that you put you're meant to put use tampons and pads in these bins. They, they don't say They won't use that word. They'll say yeah. it's a sanitary hygiene bin. Yes. Like, ooh, Feminine like, products only. It's, yeah. it's in language, in design. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's meant so, to be a secret and you're meant exactly. to talk about it. Yeah. How would you not grow up feeling like you're not meant to talk about it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I know with my primary school and my high school as well, there was only one toilet in the toilet block that had the bin itself. Mm. So if you needed to use it, yeah, like it was horrible. Like an outsider. Yeah, you'd have to. Like, why don't you go into that free spot? Oh, I just, um, I'm just waiting for I'm waiting for that toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a point. And I, that's why I love you guys and what you're doing. It's so important. Thank you. It was really nice to hear you say as well that you said that you came out and wanted to tell your friends because we did the very first place that took our bins on, which is this awesome cafe in Melbourne called Auction Rooms um, in North Melbourne. If you want to go there, you should because they have our bins (laughs) and they're amazing. But they, um, yeah, they, yeah, (laughs) they, let us put up a little survey with like a QR code and a link and they, yeah. And we had that up for a couple months and people, if they saw it and thought that it was cool, like followed the link and gave a bit of feedback. And it was so awesome to hear that people like they clicked a couple of prompts that we put up there. Like this, this initiative makes me want to come back here. Mm. This initiative makes me think that this cafe is a social cafe that cares about issues I mean, even just stuff like I like the designs. Yeah. We got so much positive feedback on that front, which is really nice to hear that people, yeah, people do like the idea. Yeah, and yeah. That, and that, that's always been the challenge for us because we, we 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 wanted a way of demonstrating that there's value for the business yeah. outside of just being a good thing. Mm. I mean, it's one thing to 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 have um, this initi- initiative and just feel good about yourself and go like we're doing a good thing and for the world but, conscious of the but ultimately if yeah. we want this to grow we need businesses to to like buy our product because it actually has a, a tangible like benefit see the value as value yeah. versus our competitors yeah. um, mm-hmm. and so having just something as small as a bin in a bathroom having having feedback from customers saying that because they saw that they're more likely to shop at that 
that cafe or, you know, return to that gym, yeah. whatever it may be, again, is awesome because it shows that there's, there's a real, there is a value, an untapped yeah. value in social products yeah. that I think people haven't quite, quite cottoned on to yet. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping to try and pioneer that. Yeah. And I think businesses are starting to realise it. There's this quote that I told Matt a while back. Mm. I don't know where I heard it, so I'm probably misquoting it again. But queen of misquoting but she uh, it said um something like businesses in 20 years from now if they are not social they will cease to exist and i think businesses are starting to learn that yeah. and a lot of the social like angles that businesses take sometimes it's tokenistic but sometimes it's real and i think yeah just being able to go to a business and say like this is something you can do that's of similar price but your customers actually see as something that matching something that they care about mm. and an issue that they want to see like vocalized or visualized in your bathroom stall. Um, yeah, that's a really valuable way to get people on board. Yeah. Especially like some of the places we go to have male only like business owners, like a bar manager that's yeah. male. And yeah, it's and really cool it. to see them jump on board yeah. with that. They may not yeah. fully understand the significance of it. Yeah. As even I don't, as a guy, I can never fully understand um, what it means, but even seeing guys say, "Oh yeah, like uh, I can respect that," and that sounds like a cool initiative. I'll mm. get on board. Like mm. it's really, is really um touching. Mm. I think a lot of consumers these days are looking for brands that do stand for things totally. and yeah. Yeah. yeah, that are really transparent about what their values are and what they are passionate about. And people are more likely to continue yeah. choosing to go and frequent those places, those businesses who are aligning with their values and that yeah, quote is absolutely. so true. Yeah. So Maddie, you're a teacher. Um, yeah. How did you guys get this idea? How did you bring it to fruition? Like you have this cool idea. Mm. What What do you do next? What were the steps? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's been fun. I think the biggest thing I've learned is that you just figure it out as you go. Yeah. And if I were to say anything to someone who's thinking of starting a small business or like a YouTube channel or like anything that seems a little bit too big of a hurdle or a mountain to climb is that like no one, or maybe they do, but we had no idea and most people have no idea on day one and you can figure it out as you go. Absolutely. And it's been such an interesting learning um, experience. Like, yeah, a business might say to us, like, okay, great. Like, our first customer might say, okay, great. We'll see you at three o'clock. Just, like, bring the contract. And we'd be like, no worries. We'll do look at each other. So we have two hours to then write a contract. So who are we going to consult? Yeah. What, like, what are we going to do to make that Absolutely. out of nothing? Absolutely. Um, and it's just been a series of solving problems that pop up that we either anticipate or didn't anticipate times 500, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think yeah. It, it perfectly um, encapsulates this idea of not asking for permission. Not waiting for permission. Yeah, even. yeah. Um, just doing and and then and then figuring it out um, later. I mean, we we've also been um, pretty influenced by the the whole lean startup methodology. I yeah. don't know if you've heard of like lean companies, but it's basically this idea of um, just doing just enough to get your idea or product out the door in front of customers, and then getting their feedback, direct feedback, and learning what they like, what they don't like as mm. quickly as possible, pivoting, a little, pivoting, making a slight yeah. change and then putting it right back out to them again. Yeah. So we, we, we just tried to get the, the most DIY basic bin that we could find that encapsulated what we were imagining in our minds 
and we just went, okay, well, well, there's no time. Like, we, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's no point waiting any longer. Let's just go to, to cafes, businesses, and say, hey, do you want to trial it? Do you want to test it yeah. out? And, th- and they liked it. So. I think this is a, like this is not a sentiment that is my own. I think a lot of people say this, but like you can't wait until you're ready or until yes. the product is perfect or until again back to the YouTube channel metaphor for some reason that I keep going to. But like you don't have to wait until you have the perfect mic and mm. light set up mm. and five thousand dollar camera and to start like start where you are and yeah, yeah go along with it because that's also like a, a possible failure of a business. I think it's like nine out of 10 businesses fail due to overexpansion or something like that. Is that the yeah, statistic? Yeah, or just in the first, first few years. First, yeah. yeah, because maybe they go, no, we're not going to be, not going to businesses until we have like this product that costs $10,000 to make and we got 5,000 bins made and they're in a warehouse that we also pay for and we have a van to service them that we also pay for and we're going to go and then, oh, the business actually doesn't like it or it's one centimetre too wide to fit in the bathroom stall or whatever tiny little pop problem pops yeah. up. Um, and then it collapses. So yeah. instead, like taking it really slow and figuring it out as you go has kind of been our method. Yeah. Like we run this thing out, out of our bedrooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> like and we so drive around. So many great our... businesses do. Like they yeah. all start in like a garage or like your lounge room or your business yeah. or your bedroom. Yes, yeah. Yeah. We have this friend who like helped us and just told us a bit about how she and her partner started their business and they have like a social coffee brand. And she Mm. said for like the first two or three years, they just had like, like five kilo sacks of coffee beans, like covering their entire (laughs) apartment. And you can still look on the outside that you're, you probably have a warehouse somewhere and you know, you make your address like a PO box and you look neat and perfect on the outside, but probably no startups are, like you said, they're probably all running out of their kitchens and and garages. And so, yeah, we, like for months made our bins like on the dining room table with this like very slapdash method. Um, yeah. But I we, think the key has been like just, just doing just it. Just doing it. Yeah. And in fact, it's probably worth not, uh, mentioning because I think a lot of people always ask this question is um, how are we able to do this when in uh, an industry that is apparently so regulated? I oh, mean, you, so yeah. I thought this, we, we, we both thought this at the start that. Barriers to entry. The, yeah. The these license. companies must yeah. be doing something with this sanitary waste as they call it um something special that that will be hard to you know we have to get some sort of some license some like adhere to regulations yeah or like medical it, waste like right. at, a, at a um hospital has to be like tagged and like incinerate yeah. i don't know for like health reasons blood can be yeah yeah it's the, it's the complete opposite so it's there's no <laughs> there's no regulation it all just goes to landfill um and so I think every, every company I, either every gets company, incinerated or goes to yeah. landfill. And, yeah. and I think that, that the whole industry benefits from this, this, um, <laughs> adding this, this blanket on sort of on, uh, uh, like putting, smoke putting and mirrors. Yeah, all this <laughs> smoke and mirrors and saying that th- this is these, like these hygiene, sanitary hygiene bins, don't touch them only for our technicians to empty. It makes you think that it's a service worth paying for. Mm. That's more expensive than it actually is. It's, it's mm. just glorified waste removal. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of how like a lot of people will call like AAA to change a tire or something because yeah. they've just never tried and they think it's impossible, but so you can true. actually watch a YouTube video and do it yourself very safely. It's yeah. like that p- businesses outsource to these companies for exorbitant prices to do something that actually is unregulated there's no laws around it and just goes yeah. into the bin that you could just 
take out with the rest right. of your rubbish. Yeah. Which isn't to say we don't do a good job of like cleaning <laughs> and whatnot, because that <laughs> yeah, we true. definitely do. And, and that's a really that's important, important aspect. Yeah. But, um, but you know, once we've cleaned the bin, taken the, the waste, the reality is that it goes into landfill. And we, we, yeah. we want to be able to change that in yeah, future. We'd we're love to brainstorming solutions yeah, to, yeah. to be able to stand out and be more environmentally conscious. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so interesting. Another interesting one about the regulations of the industry as well is that um, you don't have to have, so if you're like a small marketing firm or something, you don't have to have a sanitary bin in your bathroom unless you have at least 15, 14 female employees. Yeah, yeah. So you could have an office with like 30 people, 13 girls, but like no sanitary bin. So I had no idea about that, which I find pretty yeah, crazy. Like that's that a pretty big crazy. office. Yeah which wow. is interesting and mm. I think possibly needs to change. But yes. anyway. Yeah, there's lots of points that, like, I guess you'd find along the way and you'd be like, oh, there's room for improvement there. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it and then you're like, yeah. oh. Yeah, exactly. A lot of learning there has mm. been for sure. Yeah. That's with any startup though and that is yeah. the territory. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. Yeah. And you guys touched on the stigma that is around sanitary bins, let alone, like mm. especially just calling them sanitary bins yeah. instead yeah. of what they actually are, like, you know, bins that hold, like, pads or tampons or yeah. other yeah. period products. Why do you think there is that stigma still, even in 2020? Oh, my goodness. That is so, like, complicated yeah. and loaded. I mean, we, we, well, we were talking a bit about it before um, and there were probably two main yeah. main things and that um that sort of perpetuate this stigma and feel free to jump in at yeah, time, yeah. by the way because yeah. i know that this was um something you were, no, you were talking about but um the the first one being being like representation in leadership yeah and how um I so mean, f for example like just like as maddie was talking to me mentioning to me before um jacinda ardern recently announced free sanitary products for uh, all of new zealand and it's this case of, like, what what are the chances of a guy being the prime minister and actually realizing that 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 is a significant issue, unless that they've had that li lived yeah, experience? Yeah, even just through, and this isn't to demonize like males and leadership, just to, just more to just underline the importance mm. of diversity and representation in you know a, a, a supreme court or a group of leaders or a a board of directors or whatever is not that the guys don't care and can't look out for the issues, but it's like, they don't, why would you, I mean, that's another issue in itself is that they don't know about them, but it is a lived female or I mean, lived experience of someone who menstruates. Menstruate, yeah. um, and so that's one, one thing I think is historically leadership um, or people making the policy decisions mm -hmm. or deciding what, how many bins you need to have just based on many employees. I think it's pretty fair to say that like a vast majority of them have been men just because of history yeah. and so that's definitely probably where it started and if things don't change then they just are perpetuated so um yeah if the sanitary hygiene industry hasn't changed in 50 years like it was probably set by a largely male leadership team yeah. and continued yeah, until yeah, yeah. people shake it up yeah and, and and the second one is probably education yeah uh, and do you want to take this no, one different. yeah so so um obviously you know you learn about um bodily functions well officially for the first time in school in sex ed in health class yeah and that in itself is, is done very poorly I'd, yeah. I'd wager but but even um just like what actually what is a period what should 
like what should we know about it guys and girls yeah and and um and being open about talking about that i i bet that that is a very poorly taught um oh, yeah i remember learning in, in about it australian schools yeah. or even worldwide yeah absolutely yeah. and i think we were saying before like sex ed definitely not in all places like we're definitely have privilege in that sense in our education system but sex ed's had a bit of a reform mm. over the last little bit like um a lot more just openness and risk management and sort of instead of being like oh abstinence is key or blah blah just saying like if you're going to do it there's stis and you can get pregnant and so this is what you need to do and this is how you can look after yourself um and i think that sort of approach well that sort of reform hasn't come to menstrual health at all possibly because half the people in the class we don't think it's relevant to which isn't necessarily true because like periods linked to fertility and like your future partner that you might have um what were you saying before i mean if you have an eating disorder, you can stop menstruating. Or if you um, have endometriosis, you can have issues with your menstrual health and it's just like permeates so many things. Um, so it actually yeah, is something we should openly discuss because, it, yeah, it, it infiltrates it, so it many is. elements what, of What life. were you saying before about like Paul Dillon? With- oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about how like sex ed has had a similar sort of reform in some schools as, um, I don't know if you know, do you know Paul Dillon? the speaker no i don't yeah he um he's like a public speaker that comes to schools to talk about uh, alcohol and drugs and he talks about it from a risk management angle so instead of like which maybe at the start parents weren't super happy with but it's not like don't do don't do drugs don't do alcohol don't drink (laughs) alcohol because you have a growing brain and xyz and all the things that like young people may or may not listen to but instead like if you do which you may or your friend may and who are we to be able to control that here's how you look after them when they overdose or what mm. to do while you wait for the ambulance. And um, how is this relevant? Well, what are we no, talking to, about? To, it's, it's relevant because the, the key thing is that, is that he, um, doesn't, he assumes that, that you will drink or that he assumes that you will, um, like, like... Come into... Come, yeah, come into contact with these things. Uh, and so in a similar way, talking about... Obviously, talking. I think it just comes down to talking about about menstruation in a way that's not taboo and not yeah, like openly and, yeah. and not not like like talking about sex ed and talking about health in a way that's like um, assuming that everyone will encounter these problems in their life, yeah. rather than like here are these bad things that 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 like nasty things you should stay away from. Mm, or like this one's for the ladies in the room. Yeah, so boys, right? close your ears. Here's how you, what you need to do when you get your first period. Like, yeah, no, if you get married one day, you're going to possibly see like placenta on the table when you see your first child born. So yeah. it's like not. People yeah. need to be, be, need to be open with it. Mm. You know, mm. we, we, we still treat it as this, um, as this like monster under the bed. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, that's, that's the longest tangent ever. That's okay. I love a good tangent. <laughs> and it's so true. And I think, you know, starting off with not segregating, like typically yeah. like they mm. segregate the girls and the boys in primary school. And then, yeah. you know, you have this secret quiet chat with like a female teacher or the school nurse. Mm. And then mm. the boys don't tell you what they've spoken about and the girls don't tell you. And it's all like awkward. Yeah and it doesn't start things off well and it's already messy enough let alone that added element yeah Yeah. so yeah and then no wonder like those boys 
if they grew up to be in policy, didn't think about it because they don't hear no, about it. Like never. it's, mm. it's not just an issue of like individual ignorance. It's just like systemic lack of, yeah, talking about things. Mm. Yeah. How do you think we can go about talking about periods and menstruation more? Like you guys have already done an amazing job at starting the conversation by putting mm bloody good bins in cafes and businesses but what are some other ways that we could start the conversation or help to break that stigma we'd love to eventually get to schools yeah and not just do not just be sanitary providers but but perhaps even um come in and and do talks or seminars yeah, yeah facilitate that um and we say this a bit shakily because we don't really know. I mean, we're very small and new, but like I just imagine the brand can be a little bit more than just the product, but kind of the whole kit and caboodle, the whole issue um, in itself. And if we do one day expand into schools and having our bins in schools, that doesn't have to just be a prop. It can be part of an education program or they can the posters on the back of the door can have links to articles like reading this and being like, what on earth is this period you speak of because you're eight and you haven't talked about it yet? Like click this here or ask your friend this or ask your dad this. Um, So I think, yeah, starting young and starting with education, I mean, it has a soft spot for, I think, both of us. So that's definitely one way we have a soft spot for you. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, 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 that's, that's tough. And, and Mm. if if we had the answer, probably then we would be doing that that as well. Like, um, uh, Perhaps one thing that we still haven't figured out yet, uh, which we were talk, sort of talking about, about about, uh, about males knowing being just as um, educated on the topic as females, Ooh. is that that's a big challenge for us too, is like how do we, obviously we're in, we're in bathrooms, but we're predominantly in female bathrooms. And how do we, mm. like, ultimately we, we, we are mostly speaking to the women who see those see the bins in their bathrooms we're still not quite getting across to the guys yeah um and so how we how we work out a way of being being a brand that that everyone sees um, is tricky is tough it's tough it's a closed Um, circle sometimes yeah Yeah. which is not me really answering the question (laughs) because i'm not giving a solution but that's absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah a a problem yeah yeah Mm. it is really tricky um I think one, when we were, we were having a meeting with our team like a while ago and talking about vision mission statements and stuff, I remember we brainstormed one of them. Someone said um, a vision would, could be possibly like, we're just throwing random ones out there, a world in which like um, dads are the ones to have the period talk with their daughter or mm-hmm. something. And I think like that's a really cool end goal to keep in mind or you think how can we do all of this? And I don't really know what the avenues are like yeah, I don't know. I, I imagine things like I imagine books for like dads on how to talk about your daughter's period or um, I don't know, pamphlets and guides, but I don't, I, I see like the end result, but I don't really know. You'll get there one day. Yeah. 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 Probably a, a, a collaboration. Yeah. A lot of different true. people in a lot of different spaces. Yeah. You know? That sounds amazing. But yeah, I definitely think education is key and then also figuring out how we can include 
males in that role and how they Mm. can be a part of the conversation. And that's such a great vision to have that one day dads could be giving the period talk. A lot of um, people, they might not necessarily have a mother figure in their life and maybe they are like an only Mm. parent and it is the dad's that sole responsibility to absolutely that education mm. because they might not have a mum around and that might be their role and feeling confident to do that and give that yeah. talk is something important. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a nice thought, isn't it? Yeah. So with that in mind, what would you guys mm. like to see change in the pelvic health sphere? Look, I mean... Good question. Yeah. Loaded question. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> like... I'm just conscious of like uh, repeating ourselves, yeah, but prob- probably um, like education uh, yeah. at, at all levels. Um, that's the, the big one we come back to people being comfortable with the topics, mm. you know, being taboo. Um, but to be honest, we probably, I personally don't know too much about like the pelvic health sphere beyond like menstruation, even then, you know, like I'm, I'm constantly in fear of, of someone stopping me in the street, be like, Hey, you're the bloody good guy. Um, I'd love if that happened. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> and being like, explain how period works. Go. Um, you, you know, said like, this to me the other yeah, day. I'm like a full science <laughs> yeah. lesson. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm probably not the best to answer that. I mean, I don't really know what it, what it needs. Yeah. I don't know enough about it personally. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the things that we just talked about, about everyone having equal access to like education and, and conversation about that, um, that, and that, that being like an at home sort of thing would be the education. I think one thing we haven't touched on a lot on is low income countries mm. where like our profits um, oh, yeah, yeah. are directed or will be directed because we're about to reach the end of our first financial year, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, in that side of, in that part, of their pelvic health sphere, um, access rather to education and conversation. It's just definitely about access to products and yes. like the dignity and I guess just like human right that comes with that um, is what I kind of like gets me going a little bit and I would like to see change definitely, for sure. Definitely. And again, I think that just comes down to like we were talking about before, um, the setup, uh, the historical setup of, of leadership and power and how maybe it just hasn't been a priority. I know I see so many things from like similar um, period and menstrual health accounts just talking about how like tampons, are, I mean, sorry, condoms are often free, but tampons aren't. Yeah. Um, like, you know, nurses and like doctor's offices often have like a whole bucket of condoms for free. And that's not to say like that's trivial and it shouldn't be like being able to, plan your contraception and family planning. Like that's a whole important issue in low income countries, but so is menstruation. And those are in a lot of countries heavily taxed and extremely expensive. And even here at home, I say low income countries, but like it's an expensive product, um, which does as a lot of people wouldn't know. And even I wouldn't know just being like privileged myself um, affects your life and your access to work and education and everything in between. So that's definitely something I'd like to see change. Mm. I've heard stories of people needing to stay home because they just don't have access to the products they need to be able to go to school or go to work. And yeah, we do think it's just, you know, countries overseas, but there are still, there are still people affected by that here in Australia. But yeah. yeah. What led you guys to decide to, 
work with organizations overseas Mm. and why is that such an important thing for you guys? I know you spoke on who Mm. gives a crap and thank you, but I'd love to know what your reasons were behind Mm. that. Yeah, that's an awesome question. question. Go ahead. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Well, we do actually get this question a lot, especially with what you just said at the end there, um, that people even in our own country are struggling with access issues. And that is totally true. And people are like, maybe why don't you focus on issues at home? And I I understand that perspective. But a thing that we often say is, first of all, I don't, I think we are, what do you often say? Like, I'm a a humanist. Like, I care about the human race and, like, whatever issues are affecting people, like, does borders and and nationalities and passports like shouldn't if we had to tackle a lot of issues yeah yeah a lot of inequalities shouldn't play into it but also um we i say we have but we're about to make our first donation and when we do or what we've the principle we've sort of like built ourselves on is um something called effective altruism which i don't know if you've heard of that Mm. you have a little bit yeah yeah so it's um like a a favorite, a little interest of ours. And it's a economic and philosophical school of thought that we should be as intentional and um, research based with how we spend our charity dollars as our own dollars. Like we get new Wi-Fi and we spend like a couple hours on finder.com or whatever compare website to find a really good one that your money goes far, but the connectivity the NBN is really good. But when it comes to charity dollars, we just see like a really heart wrenching picture or ad and we just donate money or the thing that's trendy at the moment or the thing that relates to us because it's the thing that, you know, I'm in Australia, so I care about Australians. And so we don't actually think critically about what, and that's not to say Australian issues aren't important. That's absolutely not true, but we don't think critically and apply that mindset to like how far will that dollar go? Should I go with this internet company or this internet company? So we want to focus on, donating our money to uh, charities that are like highly um, effective, highly effective. Yeah. So there are websites and there are like researchers who spend their like lives and livelihoods figuring out which charities help a dollar to go the furthest in helping people either improve quality of life or length of life. And it's, it feels sad to boil it down to a science, sometimes but it also makes sense yeah we really should and people like feel a bit squeamish about that idea of thinking so critically about what issues like we should donate to but it actually is the easiest way to decide rather than having to go oh do i care about these people suffering from this or these people suffering from this it's like well with this charity a hundred dollars will save a life with this charity it will build one third of a i don't know water tank which may save a life but they, they crunch the numbers on little yeah. things like that and what what that contributes to improved life length or quality of life. Um, so, yeah, in short, the answer is, like, we would absolutely be open to a charity in Australia, but the reality is these websites that do that measurement and got data gathering and stuff find that your dollar goes the furthest when... Overseas. Overseas, yeah. yeah. And if one day the top of the GiveWell website ranked some Australian women's education charity is the highest then that would be where we donate our money that year for sure but dollar for dollar and like outcome for outcome yeah so so our 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 ultimate aim is with that money to empower women and we're pretty agnostic about what in what way specifically we do that yeah and it just so turns out that the most effective ways to do that are charities that are working overseas in low-income countries um that, for example, one of the ones we're looking at um, will um, 
give uh, a woman in a community the resources to um, like hand out. Um, is it? Are they like? No, they're not hand. They they start a small business selling important medical supplies. And not yeah. only does that bring the medical supplies to that community, but that woman and her family has the profits of that small business, and they become self-sustaining, which is not only good for their like. Um, financial well-being but just their overall well-being and autonomy yeah. and it's just like the the impacts of something like that dollar for dollar have just been shown to be so far-reaching in those communities yeah 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 which is why we don't we we, we aren't currently um d- trying to tackle the pop the problem specifically of, of period poverty yeah and that may end up being somewhere very high up on that list yeah. that you were saying in terms of effectiveness but we'd rather we'd rather do the thing that empowers women the most yeah. and whatever that thing may be based on the research, based on the experts, honestly, the people who are, who are employed to do that research and find the most effective charities would rather trust their opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I love that. You guys are looking at how can you make the most impact and that's the big question. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day. What can you do to make the most impact, which is so important. So yeah, it's It's a great way. I wish, yeah, a lot of people would like know or read more about. And I think it's, I find it really interesting that a lot of people find it really uncomfortable to begin with. I think that's something we should lean into because people go like, Oh, you're saying that charity is better than that one. And it's like, not saying that at all, but the intention behind it, all the outcomes or the people affected are more worthy of help than others or that sounds very like saviour complex. But I just mean even when we told our team about it, they were like, Do you, is this how we phrase it? Like this charity is better or has more impact? I'm like, you can say that it has a greater impact, whether yeah. it be, yeah, it is measurable. Like yeah. maybe we should lean into the discomfort Absolutely. of thinking of things yeah. like thinking of it critically like that. Oh, exactly. You've got to sit in things that make you uncomfortable and think mm. critically around why does this make me uncomfortable? Yeah. And then what can I do to educate myself further? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Then am I okay to sit uncomfortably on that or has my opinion been changed? So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that was such an important point you guys made about people researching their internet more yeah. than researching where they donate money to and throwing money at an mm. issue doesn't necessarily equate to like a big impact. So yeah, yeah. what you guys are doing again is just fabulous. Oh, thank thank you. you. What is next for bloody good? I want to know. Well, oh goodness. Well, <laughs> the, like the ultimate aim right now is to get it to a point where it stops being, uh, a hobby not not a hobby it's, it stops being a part-time thing on the side, side. obviously it doesn't yeah. pay the bills just like yet a side hustle yes a yeah. side hustle that is exactly what i'm looking for yeah. um <laughs> it's it like when it gets to that point when when I, I think that i can um quit my other jobs and start um emptying bins and getting paid from the business that's really where we want it to be because even trying to develop it and trying to work on it when you're doing a couple days per week and a couple evenings, whenever you can spare the time, it moves so slowly and it's so frustrating. You just want this thing to grow and be massive. And, 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 and when you have to wait like days or weeks between emails and between time Mm -hmm. that you can dedicate Mm -hmm. to it, that's frustrating. So I'd love to be able to actually actually make this my full time thing. Yeah, um, it'll be exciting. And and we're it, it's I can see I can see like the horizon where that where that it's on the horizon. Yeah, I think for sure. Um, it, it's just a matter of 
yeah, sort of working out the rest of our systems and then going going ham with the the marketing and trying to get the word out there. Yeah, my thoughts are a lot more logistical than yours. Like yes. What's next yeah, for okay, us? Yeah, um, logistics. Yeah. Well. Excitingly, at the moment, one of the big hurdles we've been trying to get over is product development. So, like, actually making a long, like, what's the word I'm looking long for? Long life. Or long a life. Durable. Durable, yes. A bin that can stand the test of time is sustainable in the way we make it as well. Like, it doesn't take an embarrassing, not likely long number of hours to make. Um, and we've been working on that problem for so, what feels like forever and getting quotes from different companies and thinking of different methods. Mm. And I think we've finally, like, and we, it got us really demotivated for a while, but finally jumped a bit of a hurdle on that, which is really exciting. And we're trying a new design, like, method at the moment. Yeah. And, yeah, so I think that's what's next is rolling out, like, the 2.0 more long-term, larger-scale version. But the it's better surprisingly yeah. tough problem. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. These bin, bins are not made to be, like, decorated. No. Um, you'd think it would be the simplest issue, but it's Feels like stuff that... just doesn't stick to it. Um, uh, yes. It's like, it's... They're in bathrooms, they get wet. Like, there's just so many there's random all, little things that we never saw ourselves <laughs> solving. Like, we... Yeah, it's interesting insight into the life of small business as well. Is like I remember one time we took like a vlog of ourselves because we were in Bunnings trying to like make a prototype out of PVC pipe or something, and we were like, all we wanted to do was start like a charitable enterprise, and we're at Bunnings making like things out of PVC. Yeah, it's just really (laughs) interesting problems that pop up. So product dev develop um, changes are definitely what's one of the things that are next for Bloody Good, which is exciting. Yeah, oh, I can't wait to see the new Yay. and improved. Thank end. you. Thank you. And we will soon. Yeah, I hope so. I can't wait. How can our listeners support you? What can we do to help grow Bloody Good? Mm, okay, you go. Look, probably just um, main thing is is actually sharing this idea, sharing our product with with small businesses. Um, yeah small to medium businesses that you think would love a bin yeah. um, followed second by just sharing it with your friends. You I also think. would know small to medium sized businesses. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're sort of on the cusp of, of, of trying to do this big sales push, not yet, but very soon. Yeah. But, but it honestly, it always helps just having, having people. It's amazing when people contact us uh, organically and say, Hey, I heard, I heard about this or I saw this bin at, at this um, cafe or whatnot. Um, Can we get so, a quote? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good feeling. So I guess more tangibly that would be like, well, every person either has a local cafe or has might have a job where they work in a small business or know someone who works in a small business. Um, so all of those people, I guess, could just talk about the idea to someone or tag their local yeah. cafe in a post or something. Yeah. But also we have um, a referral tab on the website mm. where you can like – anonymously nominate your business that you work for. So let's say you work at like a small marketing firm. You can just go on there and type in the name of your boss or whoever you think manages um, the operations of something like a bin and just say, why do you think we should contact your boss and say that you should have them? You might be like, oh, we have this many women. We're a socially progressive firm, blah, blah, blah. And then we will like do the legwork for you if you don't, you know, maybe you're new at the business and you don't want to pitch this big idea, like we can do it for you. So using the referral yeah, so the, cool the website well. is bloodygoodbins.org. Yeah, and, and we will share that in our yeah. show notes. For oh, all thank you. Oh, thank you. And we'll tag your socials as well. So. Uh, oh, thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Mm, uh, 
Yeah, no, you know what? I think have a conversation because I, I, I'd imagine that the majority of the listeners are women. Um, try having having this co- a conversation about periods with um, you know your closest guy mate or your brother, because um, that mm. that's a big thing for me. Um, I wish guys were just more comfortable talking about this. Yeah, so bring and it don't up, even do it in like an awkward way, like you're broaching a topic. Like, yeah. ask them a funny question. We've we've tossed around the idea oh, yeah. of trying to invent like a TikTok trend of filming your like boyfriend's response to asking how do you think periods work or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so you guys just like go viral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just like yeah, open the conversation in even just a, a funny way or yeah. a more a longer yeah. Talk about it with your brother or someone you know who has a kid. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Maddie and Matt, I have absolutely loved speaking with you. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank for you. Us. Love speaking with you. Well, I feel like we've been mainly talking about we. Thank you. <laughs> speaking <laughs> yeah. okay. Sorry about that. Uh, no, we have loved having you on Let's Talk, period. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Maddie Osavani and Matt Cohen, founders of Bloody Good Bins. If you love what Maddie and Matt are up to and you want to stay updated with them, you can follow them on Instagram at Bloody Good Bins or you can head over to their website, bloodygoodbins.org. They even have a handy form on there where you can anonymously nominate a business or a workplace for a Bloody Good Bin. So, so cool. If you want to keep updated with what we're up to, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Period AU, or you can join our podcast community on Facebook if you search Let's Talk Period Podcast Community. Also, shameless plug, but we're just wanting to tell you that our Quendo app is now live for Australian and New Zealand listeners on the Google Play Store or the App Store. With over 5,000 downloads and counting, and reaching top 10 health and fitness apps just hours after launching. What are you waiting for? You need to get on it. Record, track, journal and understand your symptoms and communicate them with your care team. Not just a period tracker, the Quendo app has your back when you need it most. It is literally a game changer. There is a link in our show notes to download. Let's Talk Period is a production of Quendo, a non-for-profit organisation supporting anyone affected by endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS or infertility. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.